0: chapter three of thomas wingfold curate by george MacDonald. this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter three the diners mrs ramshorn helen's aunt was past the middle age of woman had been handsome and pleasing had long ceased to be either had but sparingly recognized the fact yet had recognized it and felt aggrieved hence in part it was that her mouth had gathered that peevish and wronged expression which tends to produce a moral nausea in the beholder if she had but known how much uglier in the eyes of her fellow-mortals her own discontent made her than the severest operations of the laws of mortal decay could have done she might have tried to think less of her wrongs and more of her privileges as it was her own face wronged her own heart which was still womanly and capable of much pity seldom exercised her husband had been dean of halystone a man of insufficient weight of character to have the right influence in the formation of his wife's he had left her tolerably comfortable as to circumstances but childless she loved helen whose even imperturbability had by mere weight as it might seem, gained such a power over her that she was really mistress in the house without either of them knowing it. Naturally desirous of keeping Helen's fortune in the family, and having, as I say, no son of her own, she had yet not far to look to find a cousin capable, as she might well imagine, of rendering himself acceptable to the young heiress. He was the son of her younger sister, married, like herself, to a dignitary of the church, a canon of a northern cathedral. This youth, therefore, George Bascom, by name, whose visible calling at present was to eat his way to the bar, she often invited to Glaston, and on this Friday afternoon he was on his way from London to spend the Saturday and Sunday with the two ladies. The cousins liked each other had not had more of each other's society than was favourable to their aunt's designs who was far too prudent to have made as yet any reference to them and stood altogether in as suitable a relative position for falling in love with each other as mrs ramshorn could well have desired her chief almost her only uneasiness arose from the important and but too evident fact, that Helen Lingard was not a girl of the sort to fall readily in love. That, however, was of no consequence, provided it did not come in the way of marrying her cousin, who, her aunt felt confident, was better fitted to rouse her dormant affections than any other youth she had ever seen, or was ever likely to see upon this occasion she had asked thomas wingfold to meet him partly with the design that he should act as a foil to her nephew partly in order to do her duty by the church to which she felt herself belong not as a lay member but in some undefined professional capacity in virtue of her departed dean Wingfold had but lately come to the parish, and, as he was merely curate, she had not been in haste to invite him. On the other hand, he was the only clergyman officiating in the Abbey Church, which was grand and old, with a miserable living and a non-resident rector. He, to do him justice, paid nearly the amount of the tithes in salary to his curate, and spent the rest on the church material of which, for certain reasons, he retained the incumbency, the presentation to which belonged to his own family. The curate presented himself at the dinner hour in Mrs. Ramshorn's drawing-room, looking like any other gentleman satisfied with his share in the administration of things, and affecting nothing of the professional either in dress, manner, or tone. Helen saw him for the first time in private life, and, as she had expected, saw nothing remarkable. A man who looked about thirty, was a little over the middle height, and well enough constructed as men go, had a good forehead, a questionable nose, clear gray eyes, long mobile sensitive mouth, large chin, pale complexion, and straight black hair, and might have been a lawyer just as well as a clergyman. A keener, that is, a more interested eye than hers, might have discovered traces of suffering in the forms of the wrinkles which, as he talked, would now and then flit like ripples over his forehead. But Helen's eyes seldom did more than slip over the faces presented to her, and had it been otherwise, who could be expected to pay much regard to Thomas Wingfold, when George Bascom was present. There, indeed, stood a man by the corner of the mantelpiece, tall and handsome as an Apollo, and strong as the young Hercules, dressed in the top of the plainest fashion, self-satisfied, but not offensively so, good-natured, ready to smile, as clean in conscience apparently, and as large in sympathy as his shirt-front. Everybody who knew him counted George Bascom a genuine good fellow, and George himself knew little to the contrary, while Helen knew nothing. One who had only chanced to get a glimpse of her in her own room, as in imagination my reader has done, would hardly have recognized her again in the drawing-room, for in her own room she was but as she appeared to herself in her mirror, dull, inanimate. But in the drawing-room, her reflection from living eyes and presences served to stir up what waking life was in her. When she spoke, her face dawned with a clear, although not warm, light. And although it must be owned that when it was at rest, the same over-stillness, amounting almost to dullness, the same seeming immobility ruled as before, yet, even when she was not speaking, the rest was often broken by a smile, a genuine one, for although there was much that was stiff, there was nothing artificial about Helen. Neither was there much of the artificial about her cousin, for his good nature and his smile and whatever else appeared upon him were all genuine enough. The only thing in this respect not quite satisfactory to the morally fastidious man being his tone in speaking." Whether he had caught it at the university or amongst his father's clerical friends or in the professional society he now frequented, I cannot tell. But it had been manufactured somewhere, after a large, scrolly kind of pattern, sounding well-bred and dignified. I wonder how many speak with the voices that really belong to them. Plainly. To judge from the one Bascom used, he was accustomed to lay down the law, but in gentlemanly fashion, and not as if he cared a bit about the thing in question himself. By the side of his easy carriage, his broad chest and towering Greek-shaped head, Thomas Wingfold dwindled, almost too vanishing in a word, looked nobody and besides his inferiority in size and self-presentment, he had a slight hesitation of manner which seemed to anticipate, if not to court, the subordinate position which most men and most women, too, were ready to assign him. He said, Don't you think? Far oftener than I think and was always more ready to fix his attention upon the strong points of an opponent's argument than to reassert his own in slightly altered phrase like most men or even in fresh forms like a few hence self-assertion either modestly worn like a shirt of fine chain armor or gaunt and obtrusive like plates of steel being the strength of the ordinary man what could the curate appear but defenseless therefore weak and therefore contemptible the truth is he had less self-conceit than a mortal's usual share and was not yet possessed of any opinions interesting enough to himself to seem worth defending with any approach to vivacity Bascom and he bowed, in response to their introduction, with proper indifference, after a moment's solemn pause, exchanged a sentence or two which resembled an exercise in the proper use of a foreign language, and then gave what attention Englishmen are capable of before dinner to the two ladies. The elder of whom, may I just mention, was dressed in black velvet with heavy Venetian lace and the younger in black silk with old honeyton neither of them did much towards enlightening the conversation mrs ramshorn whose dinner had as yet gained in interest with her years sat peevishly longing for its arrival but cast every now and then a look of mild satisfaction upon her nephew which however while it made her eyes sweeter did not much alter the expression of her mouth helen improved as she fancied the arrangement of a few greenhouse flowers in an ugly vase on the table at length the butler appeared the curate took mrs ramshorn and the cousins followed making in the judgment of the butler as he stood in the hall and the housekeeper as she peeked from the baize-covered door that led to the still room as handsome a couple as mortal eyes need wish to see they looked nearly of an age the lady the more stately the gentleman the more graceful or perhaps rather elegant of the two end of chapter three reading by john sherman winfield illinois